Hello, welcome to episode 60 of Born to Thrive with Jamie Lee. I'm your host and coach, now a certified coach. Thank you very much, Jamie Lee. And today I have a really special episode for you. I have an interview with Dr. Julia Baer of Stony Brook University, who published a fascinating research along with Dr. Linda Babcock, the famous Dr. Linda Babcock, who co-wrote Women Don't Ask, and Dr. Julia and Dr. Linda, all these doctors, I love it. (laughs) They found that it helps women to recall two particular things before they negotiate. And when women recall these two particular things, it helps their negotiation outcomes, literally in terms of monetary outcomes. And the first is that you recall the last three times you've been assertive. And the second is that you imagine that you were negotiating for a friend. And I think this research is so fascinating. I think it's so helpful because it gives us practical tools that we can implement in our negotiations. This helps us because we have, a lot of us have this limiting belief that women are not good negotiators. And that holds us back from becoming bolder, braver, and better paid. And we also have the limiting belief that, oh, I don't really need to prepare mentally for negotiation. And so I I really love this research. So without further ado, here is the interview with Julia Baer of Stony Brook University. Yeah, we have Dr. Julia Baer on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, Do you prefer that I call you Dr. Baer? Oh, you can just call me Julia. That's fine. Okay. All right, Julia. (laughs) Well, um, for those of you who don't know you, you're uh, associate professor in the College of Business at Stony Brook University. And Julia's research focuses on the influence of gender on negotiation outcomes, as well as conflict management in organizations. In her research, she investigates what factors, both individual and situational, influence the gender gap typically seen in negotiation outcomes, and how an understanding of these factors can help to reduce this gender gap in both initiation of negotiation and negotiation performance, which we're all about, because this podcast is about helping ambitious people become bolder, braver, and better paid. So, Julia, I'd love to hear what sparked your interest in the topic of gender and negotiation in the first place. Um, yes, well, you know, I, um, I've always been fascinated by um, gender issues and gender differences. Um, I just think it's a fascinating phenomenon generally. And um, when I uh, arrived at Carnegie Mellon University to start my PhD in organizational behavior, um, there was a professor there named uh, Linda Babcock who had just published a book, uh, which some of your listeners may even be familiar with, called Women Don't Ask. Yeah. Um, and um, so that literally had had just come out. And... Um, And, uh, you know, that was really in many ways the blossoming and the beginning of research on gender negotiation. Um, And I just found it fascinating, this notion that negotiation, which is, you know, a very specific type of uh, behavior and interaction, 
really serves as an underlying mechanism for so many of the gender gaps that we see, whether we think of uh, gender gaps in salaries, career advancement, et cetera. And so, um, you know, once I, uh, once I got there and met her and she had just published the book, it was, and given my interest in gender, it was really just a natural progression from there to start really digging into um, this work on gender and negotiation, which again, uh, was really in um, uh, very initial phases at that point. I remember reading Women Don't Ask in uh, 2013, and it changed my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful book. I would encourage your uh, your listeners, um, if they're, you know, well, obviously they're interested in this topic if they're listening to the podcast. Um, it's, it's, it's a very well done book, and it also couples, uh, Linda wrote the book actually with a journalist. Um, so it's, it's, it's nice in the sense that it covers research on gender, but it's also very um, written in, in a very engaging manner um, um, and also in, incorporates uh, really interesting stories from women's lives as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they wrote a follow-up, which is Ask For It. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Ask For It's very nice too. It's a um, more of a how-to book, um, but uh, full of really, really good tips, um, many of which I actually teach in my classes in terms of um, you know, how really how to go about negotiating, particularly um, if you find it um, anxiety provoking or uncomfortable, etc. So yeah, that's that was a nice follow up as well. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. And I know you co-wrote this article, Negotiating Femininity, Gender Relevant Primes, Improve Women's Economic Performance in Gender Role Incongruent. <laughs> Try to say that. Quite a, quite a mouthful, yeah. <laughs> And you wrote that with Linda Babcock. Yes, that's right. We've, we've um, uh, since then, we've uh, co-authored papers. Of, uh, of course, I've also uh, written many on my own or with other co-authors. But yes, Linda and I co-authored that paper, and that was published, um, I believe, in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So I will link uh, the PDF to this article in the show notes. I'd love for you to give us a bit of background about how you and Linda Babka got the idea for doing this particular article. Sure. So yes, there is some background to that article. So when I started working on in this area of gender negotiation, um, you know, there were plenty of studies showing that if you look in sort of a very narrow um, landscape of negotiation, let's say <clears throat> negotiating starting salary or negotiating price in a financial transaction, um, we tend to see that men, uh, you know, on average, um, tend to negotiate better outcomes than women. And I want to be very clear here that this, you know, all of the social science research is based on averages. I mean, of course, there are plenty of women who love to negotiate. There are plenty of men who hate to negotiate. So, you know, gender can be a blunt variable in a sense to investigate. But on average, we do see men outperforming women. But I, you know, I started to question sort of the narrowness of this, of, of the issues that we were investigating, right? And I started to say, if we think theoretically about gender, given men and women's gender role, men are socialized and expected to be, you know, breadwinners, assertive, women are typically socialized, expected to be communal, helpful, caring. You know, I started to think, you know, maybe it's no surprise that we see men outperforming women when negotiating over, you know, let's say financial issues or types of negotiation issues that map very well onto their gender role. Mm -hmm. So I started to investigate um, a variety of different issues 
not just, let's say, starting salary or, or price. Um, but I tried to really um, test this notion that context should influence whether we see these gender differences. And indeed, um, that's what we found. So um, I published several papers showing that finding that depending on, you know, gender differences do depend on the context and um, uh, the negotiation context. And so I, I offer that as background to this particular paper because once we had those findings, we then subsequently said, okay, well, if we know that there are certain contexts in which we don't have gender differences, then how can we use that knowledge to actually help people to negotiate better and help women to negotiate better? And thus the idea for that paper was born in a sense because we said, you know, is there some way where we can basically prime women psychologically um, to make the context feel like it's a better fit. Um, and that's what we did in that paper. Um, so in other words, um, we said, okay, yeah, you know, yes, there are a variety of contexts in which gender differences disappear, um, um, and that, that's all well and good, but the fact is many people are negotiating things like salary or financial transactions. We know those are less of a good fit for women. So how can we um, you know, perhaps psychologically prime them and make it a better fit. So, so that's sort of the background, this notion that, um, you know, there's always this person situation fit. And for women, especially competitive negotiations about money, maybe a poor fit for men. And mm -hmm. we found that empirically in our, our older papers. And so that was the sort of motivation for, um, for the 2017 paper was basically to say, can we make, we call them gender relevant primes? Because we said, okay, wonderful. So for women to make it fit better, we either need to um, you know, remind them, sort of give them almost like a reminder. Yes, you, know, you can be assertive, you can do this, or try to make the, the situation fit their gender role better. So that's why we had two primes. We had one prime in which women were called being assertive in the past, right before negotiating. And then we had one prime in which women actually imagined that they were gonna be negotiating for someone else. But both of those primes, the idea was to make the women's fit with the negotiation situation better so that it would improve their performance. And indeed it did, that's actually what we found. Cool. So that, that explains the title, Gender Relevant Primes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, helping women to see the negotiation as a better fit to how they see. Exactly. Exactly. So, so if you recall that you were assertive in the past, it's kind of like, you know, a reminder that, yes, the situation, this fits you. You've done this. Um, so trying to make it fit that way, or again, the other prime we tested was, okay, let's reframe the situation psychologically. Imagine you're doing it for a close friend. Um, advocating for other people uh, has been shown empirically um, as a situation in which women negotiate just as well as men. And so by priming that way, it's to sort of, um, you know, have women reframe the situation in a way that's a better fit. Yeah. I really appreciate that, you know, in the title, uh, it's, it says negotiating femininity. So it implies that femininity itself is negotiable. It's a concept, really. And we can always reframe how we see our femininity so that we can see ourselves as a better fit to any situation, including a negotiation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, And I also appreciate the premise of the study, and I'd love for you to tell us a bit more about that. Uh, and, and the premise is that what we think and how we think ahead of negotiating, particularly for money, 
impacts how we behave in the negotiation and therefore how we behave has an impact on our negotiating results. And mm-hmm. this perfectly to what I call the model, which is that, you know, even though circumstances are neutral, what we think about the circumstance is optional and what we think creates our feeling, therefore it creates our behavior, therefore it mm-hmm. creates our results. So tell us a little bit more about the behavioral impact that you observed uh, you you discussed three different studies in this particular mm-hmm, article. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the behavioral impact that you observed there. Yeah, so basically what we found is that um, across the three studies, um, when we um, compared women uh, women's and men's negotiation performance without the primes, um, men indeed outperformed women. Um, you know, not a surprise. That's what extant research has shown. And again, I just want to be clear, um, you know, the effects, what we call effect sizes in social science, meaning sort of the magnitude of the difference is not huge, right? It's not that, you know, you know, men are incredible negotiations and women are terrible, but on average, men were outperforming women. But again, when we um, had women um, use one of the primes, so we, in the first study, we tested the assertiveness prime. In the second study, we tested the imagine it's your close friend prime. And then in the third study, we tested them both together and they actually worked equally well. But in any case, when women use these primes, in that case, their performance significantly improved in the negotiation and there was no gender difference. So basically, men, men's performance essentially stayed the same, uh, but women, women's performance significantly improved and, and the gender difference was eliminated in negotiation performance. Yeah, and what I read from the article was the uh, negotiation um, study participants had to do a mock negotiation where they were negotiating for the price of, um, was it a auto part engine? Yes, yes. And we specifically chose that negotiation because in prior work, and that was the work I mentioned a few moments ago, um, uh, in prior work, we had actually evaluated that particular negotiation and found that people generally rated um, this negotiation situation uh, over the price of, actually it's the price of motorcycle headlights, people tended to evaluate that as a very masculine negotiation. Motorcycle headlights, yeah. Yes, it was the, yes. And what's funny is I have to tell you that negotiation exercise is actually widely used um, in negotiation training, um, which I actually find interesting. Um, and I wonder how that influences women in, in their training, but that's, a, that's another issue. But in any case, yes, so we specifically chose that exercise to use in our study because we wanted to be sure that we were testing our primes in a situation, again, that was a poor fit uh, for women. I mean, that was the whole point um, of testing these primes, yeah. Yeah, and so my understanding of that prime was, um, you were suggesting that women remember the last time they had to assert themselves and be forceful in, you know, defending. Right, exactly. Recall, yes, it was, I believe it was recall three incidents. Yes, and we, and actually those characteristics that we chose, um, they actually are directly from um, um, what's an instrument called the BEM sexual inventory. um, And it's directly from the measure of masculinity. Um, so we actually chose those very intentionally um, from a theoretical perspective, basically saying, okay, let's really um, test this notion that if we can, again, prime masculinity for women, that will um, uh, uh, help mitigate the lack of fit and really help them improve their performance. 
Wow, fascinating. I, I didn't know that there was a you know, textbook about masculinity. That's what Oh, absolutely. Gender, there's, there's very, very, very rich work on gender theory. Um, and mm. this paper really was directly based off of, of, um, of that work. Yes. Yeah. So it's really theoretical. It doesn't mean that, you know, men are this and women are that. It's, you know, our concepts about gender. Yeah, the concepts about gender that, um, that, that we tend to see um, in terms of the way uh, boys and girls are socialized, the expectations for men and women's behavior. Um, and again, it's, I, it's, not, it's not that we're saying all women are like this or all men are like that. Of course, that would be sort of silly and simplistic. But rather from, you know, sort of from a big picture societal perspective, we know that there are norms and expectations for behavior and we know that they differ uh, for men and women. Yeah. Mm, okay. And I, I, I would just like to call out the distinction that, you know, it's what we think about gender that impacts our behavior. So when we think that this is, you know, masculine behavior and because I am a woman, I can't behave that way, it hinders our uh, willingness to participate in this sort of, you know, transactional conversations. That's, that's what I'm hearing. And so I, I'm curious to know, why do you think that recalling this, um, you know, perceived masculine behavior in the past had women improve their negotiation results in these mock negotiations? You know, that's a great question. And I don't have a good answer to that in the sense that we didn't actually measure that. So again, the question is, you know, what is the mechanism that's explaining um, in the primes, and, and we really didn't um, get a good measure of that. Um, so I can't speak to that empirically so well. Um, you know, I do think psychologically um, it gives a sense, a greater sense perhaps of self-efficacy or a sense of feeling like, you know, yes, I've, you know, I've been in these situations before I've done this. Um, there's also a great deal of research, and I, I see this in my research as well, um, that women do find negotiations much more aversive than men. Um, they report much greater anxiety than men about negotiating. So, um, you know, it could also just be helpful in terms of quelling anxiety. It's, it's, you know, this is not a novel situation, so to speak. You know, again, reminding oneself, I've done this before. I can do this again. Um, uh, you know, those are, you know, potential mechanisms. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that when women recall being assertive and uh, being forceful in their communication, they feel confidence from having remembered that they've done it before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, um, I think women have fewer opportunities as they grow up um, uh, for social learning when it comes to negotiation, right? Social learning, meaning learning through observing others' uh, behavior, um, similar others' behavior. So, um, so I do think that having that reminder can be very helpful. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, and, and that was one of the biggest takeaways for me from reading Women Don't Ask about how men, young, young men are often coached from a, uh, from an older male about how to play contact sports and and that could be uh, and in that sort of situation also um, plays out in negotiations because they get coached by other people and and so I guess you know long story short when 
when women are encouraged to recall the past behavior when they did defend and assert themselves, it's kind of like you're coaching yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh, great. So the second prime was that women were encouraged to prepare as if they're preparing for this negotiation on behalf of a friend. And this mm-hmm. is so fascinating. And you call this gender complementary. Is that right? That's right. That's right. It's just funny. It's been a long time since I've looked at this paper. That's right. So we call the the assertive one that we were just talking about, we call it the supplementary prime, meaning it's perhaps supplementing. And then this is the complementary right, meaning that it's, you know, trying to reinforce this notion that uh, negotiation may in fact be complementary to aspects of um, of women's gender role. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. so many of my clients and people that I've taught in workshops, they all have said, many and many of them have said that they feel so comfortable negotiating on behalf of other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this has definitely, this has been shown empirically um, that women, in fact, um, when they negotiate for somebody else, um, they do um, significantly better than when they negotiate for themselves and they negotiate just as well um, as men do. Um, and so um so this crime was really based off of those findings, right? It was basically saying, okay, how can we harness, so to speak, the positive um, effects that we know um, happen for women when they negotiate for other people? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you think was behind the, the psychological, you know, the underpinnings of that when women negotiate as if they're negotiating for a friend, they actually get a better deal? Yeah, I think, again, a really good question. Um, And we didn't, you know, we don't have the data to speak to that. I, you know, I think that it may, you know, there are two, you know, two potential um, uh, mechanisms, I think similar to the, to the other prime, the supplementary prime or the assertiveness prime. I think, you know, it may serve as um, sort of a psychological, um, uh, um, the word is escaping me right now, sort of a psychological cue, um, mm. you know, to basically, uh, you know, reframe the situation in a more positive way, um, kind of break through that, um, break through that anxiety or discomfort, right? Um, and, you know, make people realize, um, uh, you know, uh, that they can, in fact, mentally reframe the negotiation um, as a more um, positive situation in which they can feel free to be more assertive. Yeah, and what I've noticed as a coach is a lot of people, including myself, we have difficulty seeing ourselves um, from the most objective perspective. We're, we're often our own harshest critics. Yes, yes. And um, it's hard for, it's really easy to give praise to other people and extremely hard to accept praise for ourselves mm-hmm. you are ambitious overachieving um i, I think that that tendency kind of uh is congruent to correlates to how driven you are because you, you think you you drive yourself by by uh 
not saying the kindest things to yourself instead of being as kind and loving to yourself. And so when you think about negotiating for a friend as opposed to for you, I think it kind of switches on this more compassionate, even more kinder uh, aspect of ourselves. And it's very powerful because it actually improves the results. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, it was interesting that, cause again, we, you know, we went, we went into this paper with a very empirical perspective, of course, um, you know, and, um, it was interesting that, um, uh, both frame, uh, both, um, primes, excuse me, um, they did indeed work. Um, and I, and if I remember the data correctly, I believe that they worked, I believe that the results were pretty comparable actually for both primes, which was also interesting in and of itself. Um, they both sort of served as these cues um, for women to, you know, really reframe the situation and, um, um, and, and negotiate more assertively. Yeah. And when you say that, do you mean that the results were comparable? I mean, the impact on the actual... Yes, on the actual outcome. Yeah, I'd have, to, I'd have to double check that. But I believe if memory serves, it wasn't like, oh, you know, one prime worked so much better than the other. In fact, they both worked pretty comparably if memory serves. Oh. Well, I, I'm, of course, not coming from an empirical perspective. I'm coming from a coaching perspective, but I, I love this. This is really fascinating. And also, um, it's the kind of work that I do with my clients. I help them on an individual basis, you know, recall how they were confident and assertive for themselves and how So this is really great. I appreciate this. So, um, if we may, I'd like to switch gears a bit, and I want sure. to ask a personal question. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What was a negotiation? And I, I want to tell you that I define negotiation simply as a conversation with the intention of reaching agreement, where everyone has the right to say no. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> very broad definition of negotiation. What was a negotiation in your life or career that had the biggest impact on you? And I'd love to hear, you know, what had happened and what you learned. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, so there, there really is not one specific negotiation that stands out. I can say on a personal level um, that, um, and perhaps that's why I was interested in this research, that, um, uh, um, I, I think it was really when I started working in this area that I, first of all, A, realized that things were negotiable, <laughs> um, and B, realized that I should start negotiating them, right? Um, so I don't think, so for me, negotiation is not particularly intuitive, but I think that working in this area has made me um, more likely to negotiate, um, and I have had um, you know, several negotiations at work, that, um, um, you know, I realized, um, you know, in retrospect, had I not been working in this area, I may not have negotiated them or even considered the issues negotiable, so to speak, um, um, over, you know, a variety of issues. What? Would you give us an example? Um, you know, I, there's not sort of a, a really specific example that comes to mind, but certainly um, there were issues that came up um, when I was um, 
relocating from, um, I had been living in Israel and I was relocating to the US. And there were just a variety of issues that came up in that relocation um, and starting a job here that in the past, I think I would have just taken them as a given, you know, like, oh, well, of course, the moving expenses aren't going to cover an international relocation, right? Or, well, of course, there are health insurance issues moving from another country um, that I that um, that uh, I actually, you know, thought twice about and said, well, wait a second, why, you know, this is an exceptional situation. Uh, why don't I try negotiating some of these issues, right? It is a, it is an, um, a different move than the organization is used to accommodating, but, you know, why not ask for some, um, you know, clearly, you know, moving from a different country, different needs. So, um, so things like that, that I think in the past, I would have just not, it wouldn't have even occurred to me to negotiate. I didn't, many issues I didn't even consider were even negotiable. Um, and today, I, I just very much view, I, actually, I, I, I like your definition of negotiation, I agree. I also view it as a conversation um, that ideally, you know, people can find a win-win solution um, and reach an agreement. But as you said, I, I like that very much as well. Everybody also has a right to disagree, to say no. Um, and, you know, you, you, you try, you make your best attempt, and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, you know. Um, but there's no harm in asking, there's no harm in trying, and going in with a very um, collaborative and, and mindset of trying to solve a problem together. I think that's a great conceptualization of negotiation. Thank you. And so I'm curious, have you ever used one of these two primes yourself? Um, you know, I have, yes, I have. I've, I've definitely used some version of the um, assertiveness prime, absolutely. Um, when I'm going into um, a new situation um, or a situation that I find intimidating for whatever reason, I've absolutely used that sort of reminder prime because I find it, it puts things in perspective. Mm. And sort of reminding myself, well, wait a second, you've done, you know, X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D. So, you know, um, uh, you can do this too. Um, you know, the other thing that I find very helpful as well, together with using that prime, is also just reframing situations as, lear as learning experiences. You know, rather than being sort of um, so nervous about something new or something daunting, um, you know, reframing it as, well, this is going to be a learning experience. It's something new. I'm here to learn. And yes, in fact, I've done A, B, C, D, E, F in my life. And so we'll just go in there and do it, you know. So that's, uh, I, I do find that helpful, actually. Yeah. Love it. So three very actionable, actionable tips you've shared. First, before you engage in a negotiation, remind yourself the three times in the past where you did defend yourself, assert yourself prove yourself. And two is you can also think about the situation as if you're preparing for a really good friend. I've, I've done a version of this, a variation of, of this, where I ask my clients to think about how their best friend would describe them. The three mm -hmm. words you use, right? So it's not you describing you, it's your best mentor or friend describing you. Yeah. Great. And then number three was just to uh, think of the situation as a learning opportunity. So, you know, what can you learn? Um, what is the lesson here? I think that's a great, great tip. So mm -hmm. finally, um, I, I think, you know, people would love to learn more about the kind of research that you do. Where can people go to learn more about you and your research? 
Um, so that's a great question. Um, and so um, I'm, I'm laughing at your question because I think um, uh, it's a great question. Unfortunately, in academia, many of the journals that we all publish in uh, are not always easy to access. Uh, which is unfortunate. They sort of sit in libraries um, and they're often read by other academics as opposed to the general public, which is why I think it's wonderful also uh, your efforts to really translate uh, translate this research to a wider audience. Um, but to answer your question, um, in terms of learning more about the research, um, they can certainly um, um, Google my website at Stony Brook, uh, Julia Bear, B-E-A-R at Stony Brook. Um, they can certainly um, email me through my website. I'm happy to share articles or anything else that is not accessible um, because it is, again, copyrighted and in journals. Um, and um, I also have a fun piece um, actually written uh, with Linda Babcock on um, the Harvard Business Review website. It's um, hbr.org. Um, and it is about um, uh, uh, the myth and reality of negotiating one's salary. Um, and so that's a fun piece as well, if people want to look at that. And that's, um, that's not published in a journal that doesn't like to, uh, they should be able to just, just uh, get access to that. Great. I will look it up and I will link it into the show notes. That would be fantastic. Julia, this has been such a pleasure and there's so much value here for you know, all of us. Uh, thank you so much for your time and for your expertise. Thank you and good luck to all your listeners with their future negotiations. All right, great.